Good morning again. Merry Christmas. Um, before we get started this morning, on the inside aisle of your pews here, there are blue books. If you would take one and pass them down, uh, we ask everybody to fill those out just so we know who's here. And uh, if you're new, please put your address there. I'd love to be able to send you a letter in the mail uh, thanking you for coming to our service. Uh, we would love to uh, be able to connect with you in that way. So if you don't mind doing that, we would appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, we've been doing uh, a series uh, in the Advent season about longing. Advent means to wait, to anticipate the coming of our Savior Jesus. And today he has come. We celebrate him being born. Uh, the incarnation that God has come to be among us. And the question that I want to ask you to think about as Karen comes up to read in just a minute is... Um, what are you going to do with this Savior that has come? What are you going to do with him? How are you going to respond to what you've waited on? I want you to think about that for a minute. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to ask Karen to come and read. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the joy of Jesus. We thank you that you have chosen to take a reasonable body and soul and come and descend here to live among us and to bring light and life to the world. Would you help us now as we think about you, Lord Jesus, uh, to respond well, to move toward you? As we hear your word read this morning, Father, uh, would you give us a glimpse into what that would look like for us? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe I'm missing. I'll read it. <laughs> oh, there she is. Come on, Karen. Hiding. Hi. Scriptures from Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all you who are, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. How do you typically respond to someone trying to help you? How do you typically respond when someone tries to help you? My daughter Abby is almost five, and lately when she gets out of the car, you know, the car seat is kind of jacked up. It's really high, and I try to give her my hand to help her out, and she'll say, I don't want it. Um, and I'll say, no, no, you should receive help when someone offers it, and she'll like push my hand away because she wants to try to get out on her own, you know. Um, it's our natural sort of desire to be independent, right? Uh, to refuse help, to not want it in our lives. And as we think about Jesus coming into the world, as we think about him uh, becoming a person like us in order to seek and save the lost, we have to ask ourselves, like, what are we going to do with that help? How are we going to respond to what he does. And there are bad ways to respond to grace in your life. You know, one of them is like Abby, like I refuse the help. I don't need it. I can make it on my own. 
Another one that we hear sometimes is like, you know, no, what I really need to do is to work harder. I'll, I'll take your help, but then I'm going to work hard so I don't ever have to take the help again. Uh, sometimes we take advantage of help uh, with just the intention of like getting more for ourselves, right? And sometimes we think it's ridiculous. This sort of help is ridiculous. It's too good to tr- be true. It can't be real. I don't know how this could matter to me. So how does God want us to respond to the help that he has sent in Jesus? How should we respond? Should we work harder? Uh, Should we uh, just take advantage of it? What should we do? And what we find out fascinatingly in the passage that we read today is is that Jesus says, this is what I want you to do with me. I want you to rest. I want you to rest. The help that's come to you, I want you to rest in it. All right, so I want to talk about what that means this morning for us to rest in Jesus Christ. How we're going to respond to the advent. What does it mean to rest or to abide in Jesus Christ? The first thing that we see in what Jesus says in verse 28, where he, where he says, Come to me, all you are, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, is rest is the best answer. Is the best response. And the reason for that is because we are, as he says here, weary and burdened. All right, now, I know you've all come from homes this morning. It's weird that Christmas is on a Sunday, and I bet you feel a little weary. Maybe some of you stayed up too late putting presents under the tree or wrapping stuff. Maybe it was just rough getting out of the house this morning. Maybe there's sickness in your home, and you're on the live stream, and you're weary and burdened from that. But we all feel that. Weariness is fatigue, you know, Toil is the idea. Um, I think of, if you've ever gone on a family vacation, we drove down to Disney one year. My family did all the way down to Disney with like five kids in the car. And it was wearying, right? It's exhausting to make that drive. And all you did was drive, but you drove a long way with a bunch of loud, crazy people in the car, right? And, but, but weary has this other component to it too. Not just that you're tired, that you're fatigued, but that you're discouraged from it that there is a a hindrance or you feel obstructed in your life. It's like driving down to Disney with a one-year-old screaming in the car the whole way, right? There's an obstruction to getting there and having to stop every 10 minutes to go to the bathroom with a bunch of women. So that's a joke. It's the boys that have to go in my house. Um, This weariness, this is what life causes us to feel like, right? We're tired. We're weary. Uh, We're also burdened. Burden means to be loaded down to carry a large weight, especially emotional weight in your life. And I know many of you in our congregation and the emotional weight that you carry, the things that you've dealt with even in this last year, the pains, uh, the transitions, the losses, the grieving that you've done, that you feel that burden. Uh, I I think about the story of, uh, of Pilgrim's Progress, where at the beginning of the book, Pilgrim has this burden on his back. And what we find out is that the burden is sin and misery that he's carrying around in his life. And what Jesus is talking about here when he talks about us being weary and burdened is our soul. We see that at the end where it says, um, where he says, I am gentle and humble and hard and you will find rest for your souls. He's talking about your inside, not just that you're tired people. Life is hard. We're tired. You know, it wears us out. But our, our hearts, our souls are weary and burdened. The soul, the spiritual side of us, uh, 
and how the fall has profoundly dulled and dimmed our spiritual sense, robbing us of hope whenever we should be feeling it because of our weariness and our burden. Uh, A man named John Mark Comer wrote a book recently called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in that book, he wrote symptoms of what he calls soul weariness in the book. Symptoms, and I want to read them to you for you. There are 10 of them. And I just want you to think in your own mind as I read them, do any of them apply to you, okay, in your soul right now? One, irritability. Two, being hypersensitive about stuff. Three, restlessness. Four, working too much, workaholism. Five, being emotionally numb. Six, your priorities being out of order. Seven, not taking care of your body. Eight, wanting to escape and do things like watching Netflix or just getting away from people or scrolling on your phone. Nine, slipping away from any sort of connection with God in your life. Ten, isolating yourself. Have y'all felt any of that sort of soul weariness? Maybe even right now? Well, what Jesus tells us in this passage is that real rest is what we need. The response to his grace in our life is really resting in him. I want to tell you two stories, one that happened yesterday uh, and one that happened in history. Uh, What happened yesterday was uh, we woke up Christmas Eve morning. My daughter Rosie goes to her room to take a shower. She turns on the water and it doesn't come on. Okay, if you're old enough to know what that means, it means the pipes were frozen. (laughs) And immediately I start panicking. I'm like, oh no, Uh, the pipe's frozen. And I start, you know, calling plumbers, texting friends, asking them what to do, you know. And like the answer's all the same. You just got to wait. You know, my plumber said, if you'll just turn the water on about a fourth of the way, if the ice thaws, it'll come back on eventually. If not, it's going to burst when it thaws out and it's going to flood your house and you just got to turn the water off and call us. And so I was a wreck yesterday. I mean, I was just paranoid. I was like hearing noises. Is it, did, it, did it break? You know, uh, has the water come back on? I was, I was just frantic about, are we going to have to leave the house? Are we going to have to leave on Christmas with our kids and go somewhere else if our house floods? What are we going to do if we don't have water? All this, I was just restless and just afraid, right? Story number one. Story number two is a story of Jesus and he's on a boat with his friends. And the storm comes. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat, right? And this storm comes and starts rocking the boat. And his friends are freaking out because uh, they think they're going to die. It's an awful storm. And Jesus is still asleep. The ultimate non-anxious presence, right? He's just snoozing while the storm is happening around them. Why? How can he, how can I freak out about a pipe bursting? Possibly. Uh, And yet he sleep through a storm that could possibly take the lives away. And the answer is that he was resting by trusting in what his dad had said to him. He was trusting in his father's good will for him in the world. So what would it mean for us to start trusting or resting in that same way in our life? What would it mean for us to make movement toward Jesus to actually rest our souls in what the Father has for us rather than being frantic and afraid because we can't make it and because we can't make things happen that we want to happen in our lives.
Well, I want to give you three ways, three movements that we see in this passage that Jesus teaches us about moving toward rest. The first one is simple. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, once again, this is not bodily rest. This is not a nap. This rest is a person. It is not found by taking a nap or vegging and watching Netflix, scrolling on your phone, or even planning a well-earned vacation. It is found by coming to a person, a relationship. Regularly coming to Jesus is critical in our lives if we won't rest for our souls. Regularly coming to the source, the one who can bring calm, who can cause us to have peace where we don't feel like we could have it, is the answer. We have to come to him. It may seem silly for him to say that, but he's saying it because we are so apt not to go to him first. We would like to go to other things. I I would rather text my friends and ask them what to do than pray. You know, where do we go first when we're panicked? That's the question. My son Henry is about uh, almost two. He's back there in the back playing. Uh, And he's just at the age where he's understanding the things that we say when we talk to him. But one of the hardest things we're trying to do right now is to get him to come when we call him, right? Hey, Henry, come here. Sometimes I just stand there. Hey, Henry, come here. And sometimes he'll walk off and go play with something over here, not paying any attention to us. But like at certain points, like Henry, come here and eat these pretzels. Oh, okay, I'll come do that, right? You know, I see that it's good for me. And so that's sort of a small picture of our lives with Jesus and coming to him. Is we have to believe, trust that coming to him is good. And our life is this consistent learning, patterning, patterning, moving toward him and seeing the goodness that he offers us in our lives. Seeing what's real and what's true as we move toward him. And so the first question for all of us is, are we coming to Jesus for that rest? Are we coming to him? Do we practice listening to him? Talking to him? Sitting with him? Crying with him? Arguing with him? Thanking him? Worshiping him? Will we come to him? That's the starting point. That's the first response to his grace. The second thing he says is to take my yoke. What in the world does that mean? Take my yoke. Well, a yoke is not the center of an egg. It is a farming device that was usually put on the shoulders of a cow or a horse, put on the shoulders, and it, it, it had these straps that connected them to a wagon and usually to the person that was pulling the wagon or a plow sometimes. And the yoke was put on their shoulders to, to fasten them to whatever the mission is that they were moving on, whatever they're trying to, to do. Uh, and it, they were directing a, ca- a carriage or a plow or whatnot. And teachers during the Bible time, sometimes called rabbis, use this term to describe their relationship with their students. Um, students would wear the yoke of their teacher or their rabbi. And what that meant is that they would do two things. One is that they were under the teachings of the rabbi. They would learn what the teacher had to say and, and grow, learn under them. But the second is, is like those reins go back to the person pulling, pulling the, excuse me, that's driving the carriage or the plow. They were also directed by the rabbi to a particular way of living. And 
we see in this passage what Jesus' particular way of living is. Did you notice it? Look with me. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here it is. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the only place in the Bible where we hear God's heart described to us. I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am kind. Um, I am loving. I am for you. I delight in you. Dane Ortland, who wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly recently, writes this. He says, according to his own testimony, this is Jesus's very heart for us. This is who he is. Tender, open, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, willing. If Jesus hosted his own personal website, the most prominent line of the about me drop down would read, gentle and lowly in heart. So taking Jesus's yoke means to embrace his teaching and to follow his way of life, a way of gentleness, a way of lowliness, a way of putting other people first, a way not of your life for mine, but my life for yours. And this is why Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's the good life. It's the way we're intended to be as people, to take that yoke. So here's the question. What would it mean for you to take that in your life? What would it mean for you to to embrace Jesus as the one who directs you in your life and as the one who is teaching you what the good life really is like? And then we have the last way that he moves us toward Uh, toward rest. And that is lastly, just to receive it, to accept it. Listen to what he says again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give it to you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This means that there must be a willingness on our part to take what Jesus offers, uh, to take a life of trusting him, of relying on him. Uh, there's a passage in, the, in uh, John chapter 6 where the disciples are with Jesus, and they say this to him. They say, Jesus, what must we do to do the work of God? How can we do what God wants us to do in life? How do we do it? And Jesus says this to them. He says, um, you must believe in the one whom he has sent. It could also be translated this. <clears throat> you must relax in the one whom he has sent. You see, receiving the rest from Jesus is a matter of trust, of reliance, of resting, of unclenching your shoulders, of of relying on him. Uh, There's the story of a French acrobat named the Great Blunden. Some of you may have heard of him before. Uh, He was famous for walking on tightropes, Okay, And he would do these wild things like set up a tightrope between two buildings, walk on the tightrope between the two buildings, set up a little stove, cook an egg, take the egg back and feed it to the crowd that was watching him. And people would go crazy for this guy back before there was, of course, television and that sort of thing. They would want him to come. So one time uh, there was this story of he was going to cross Niagara Falls. Okay, the great Blender was going to walk a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And so they set up the tightrope. He gets there. There's this enormous crowd to watch him walk 
uh, make this walk. And people are cheering his name, Blunden, Blunden, Blunden. And so he gets on his tightrope and he begins to walk and he walks across the falls and he turns around and he walks back across the falls and people are going crazy for him, cheering him on. We, this is amazing. This is the most amazing thing we've ever seen because we don't have television. <clears throat> it is the coolest thing we've ever seen in our lives. Please, please. And he's like, how many of you would like to see me do this again? And they're like, yes, do it again. That would be incredible. Do it, do it, do it. And he said, I'll take it up a notch. How many of you would like me to see, how, would, how many of you would like me to do this again, but with one of you on my shoulders? And they're like, oh my, yes, please do that. That's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. And he said, who wants to get on my shoulders? Crickets. <laughs> no volunteers, right? No one's willing to get on his shoulders, right? I think maybe the, the easiest way to describe resting in Jesus is to get on his shoulders. It's just sitting, resting in him, letting him cross the hard things and being with you. Uh, placing your heart in his hands, even when it seems wild and uh, beyond logic to do so. Because he tells us to come to him, to rest in him, and to take his yoke. And my prayer today is just simply this, is that as we think about Jesus coming into the world and we go back home and we celebrate with our families and being together, that we can just begin just for a moment to start resting in him. Just to come to him today, to take his yoke and to receive his rest. Let me pray. Father, uh, we, uh, we admit to you that this can sound a bit pie in the sky, especially with the things that we're all wrestling with in our lives. But we also know that as we look back over our shoulder, there are literally thousands of years of your faithfulness again and again and again and again. Would you help us this morning to begin to come to you, to give you what's hard in our lives, to take your yoke, to st start believing what you have to say, and to rest in you, to, to get on your shoulders in this life and to stop trying to make it on our own. Would you give us the grace to do that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.